Hey. hey, I'm Nick Adams. For those of you that don't know me, uh, if you don't know me, some of you, I see some new faces. Um, so this morning, um, the title of the message is Who Are the Gathered? And I know if I can catch that that's not proper English, then I hope most of you can because uh, normally I don't. But I did. I was, who are the gathered? And that's not... I don't think that's that's not right. It's supposed to be who is together. But is is singular and are is plural. We're not just talking about this gathering. We're talking about the gathering at large because what is uh, God's people made up of? The gathering, right? We are the gathering because we are God's people and there's more than God's people just in this place, right? So who are the gathering? That's what we're talking about today. Uh, we're in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Um, if you have your Bible, if you don't have a Bible, I think there's one under the chair, or you can follow along up on the screen. Um, but before, before I get any further into it, I, I want to pray. God, thank you for just uh, this time just to worship and, and be in your presence, and just thank you for... Uh, just being gathered here and, and in the presence of other believers. And, and God, uh, I just pray that you just go before me and get me out of the way. I pray that um, you would just speak through me and, and open people's eyes and, and ears, dear Lord, and, and uh, just show us what you're trying to say and do right here and right now. I thank you for this opportunity just to uh, share your word and, and how much you love us, and uh, we love you. I ask it all in your name. Amen. Okay, so who are the gathering? Uh, I know I've been coming here for, I, don't, I think this is year six for me. Um, and so before I was a pastor at the gathering, I was just a, a tender at the gathering. And it took me, I don't know, how long, do y'all remember how long it took you before you found the fellowship hall? Or you even knew there was one? <laughs> all right? It took me a, It took me a couple of, I don't know, it took me almost a year to know that there was a whole nother, there's a youth house and a whole nother wing of the church over there because for the most part on, if I came on Sunday or Wednesday, I walked through the door and came in here, right? Um, and I, and you wonder, you know, if I'm going to be a part of what God's doing or I want to know more or people ask me, you know, where do you go to church or where do you worship? You want to be able to tell them, right? And not only that side of it, but the other side of it is, why are you a Christian? Why are you believe what you believe? And and First Peter kind of tells us and reminds us. So First Peter is writing to the church kind of at large in what we would know as modern day Turkey. He lists a bunch of places that I, for the most part, can't pronounce in the very first verses of chapter one. But so he's writing to mostly Gentile people, but you got to remember Peter's Jewish and uh, he uh, kind of brings that into the message. I'm going to point it out to you, but uh, let's read through it and, and we'll go from there. I'm reading out a New Living Translation, by the way. Verse nine starts with, but you are not like that for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation. God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for He called you out of the darkness into His wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. 
Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. So verse 9 starts with you, are, but you are not like that. Like what? So we gotta, we got to go back, right? If you look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6, Peter is describing in this section being living stones for God's house because if any of you remember or know anything about the Old Testament, what happened? So in the Garden of Eden, God created a place for us to dwell and put us in that place and it was a place where we could meet with Him in the Garden of Eden and then Adam and Eve decided they wanted to be God. So God said, well, since you want to be God, you can't be part of the garden anymore. So they were exiled from the garden, right? But when Peter's talking about living stones, what happened after the garden? Then, then the, the Israelites were called out of, with Moses out of Egypt and, and they built a temple, right? David kind of designed the temple and Solomon built this temple and the temple was designed for a place for God to dwell. Not that you can contain God in a building, but it was a place for us to meet with God to dwell with God, and what happened? Because of our sin, we couldn't keep all the laws and commandments, and the temple was destroyed, right? And, and some of the prophets throughout the Old Testament prophesied about this new temple coming. And who was that? Jesus, right? And Jesus, when Jesus came, he said, I will tear down the the temple in three days and bring it back up again, but it's not going to be a building, right? It's going to be you. You're living stones that make up the temple. God's dwelling place is inside of you. So Peter is explaining this to them, and I'm sure they're thinking about those, a temple, a structure. And what Peter's trying to remind them is, is, is it's Jesus that saves you. And God chose you. God called you out. But Peter in chapter 2, verse 6, when he says, but you are not like that, you are not like this. He says, starting in verse 6, he says, as the Scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in Him will never be disgraced. He's quoting Isaiah twenty-six eighteen, And then he goes on to say, yes, you trust in Him, recognize the honor God has given him, but those who reject him, but for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble and the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you are not like that. It's funny... Uh, Yesterday, I got to run in a race, and uh, just, you know, God loves me enough to, to give me an illustration, uh, and I didn't realize it until I, I got into bed last night, and, and I wanted to kind of go over this one more time before I went to bed, and I wanted it to be the last thing on my mind, and I read that first verse, but you are not like that, and I said, well, you know, that you're not like what? So I get back up, and, and I read this. And yesterday I ran in the Copperhead 20K. It was a relay race, so four people run 5K to make up 20K. And it's a, so you run one lap a piece, but it's through the woods. 
And uh, I'm, I remember I went last, and, and Mike ran with me, but when, when Mike got done, he said, you need to save something because there's a log as soon as you come out of the woods and you got to walk across it. Okay, so I get to the log after, you know, close to 30 minutes, and I made it, all right, I made it past the log, you start coming out of the woods, and you come back into the field, and, and you got to go about 200 more yards to get to the finish line, and I said, all right, well, I'm, this is it, so I'm going to give it all I got, so as soon as I come out of the woods, I take off sprint, and I trip, and I fall, because <laughs> there are some tree roots, and uh, so I'm reading this last night, and I'm like, well, God, thank you. Because what, what makes you stumble? Why does something make you stumble? Because it sticks out, right? Because you can't get past it. I won't, I won't pick it up. At that time in the race, my feet were almost sliding on the ground. And uh, I didn't pick my feet up high enough, so I stumbled. God placed a stone that the builders... Jerusalem Jews people couldn't get past because you can't get past Jesus if you want to know the truth. If you want to be part of that called out, of that chosen people, Jesus is the only way. And if you can't, you can't go around. So he is that stumbling block, but it's a good thing. So what is the gathering? Who are the gathering? When you're thinking about So we're not like that. We're a chosen people. You're royal priest. If you remember in in the temple in the Old Testament, there was uh, the Holy of Holies, you know, where only the the royal priest could go. And, uh, you know, they had to tie a string on his leg because if he he hadn't went through all the the cleansing process and, and the sacrifice, if he didn't do it all the right way and his heart won't right and he went in there to meet with God... He died, and they had to drag him out because none of them were righteous and holy, and, and they couldn't go in there with him. Well, well, Jesus done away with all that. So you're royal priest. I think one, the last couple of times I preached, when we went to camp, the message was, you are royal. And I asked everybody, how many of you feel royal today? Nobody raised their hand. You should. You're a royal priest because of what Jesus done inside of you. You should wake up every morning and look at yourself in the mirror when you're brushing your teeth and say, I'm royal. I promise you, if you say that to yourself, it'll make you think of why and it'll probably brighten your day a little bit. And people would maybe see what's dwelling inside of you instead of you having to tell them so much. You're a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. So the gathering, um, what, are we, what are we first? We're a worship community, right? We worship God. That's, that's one of our first priorities. Because we are called out, because we are chosen, we are a worship community. The gathering is a worship community of passionate people loving God and living Jesus as we walk together to advance the gospel in God's kingdom. So what do you, when you're, when you, I think the CSB version of this verse says, as, instead of saying as a result, you can show the others the goodness of God, you are proclaimers of praise. What are you doing when you worship? 
You're proclaiming that God is who He says He is and you're responding to that and you're saying, I, I can't do nothing but worship you. And that's not just here on Sunday and that's not just music and singing. You can worship all day long. You are called out. You are chosen. Second thing, loving God. Showing others the goodness of God. Proclaiming His praises. Worship is a love response to God in which we declare His worth in our lives. As a result of you being called out, as a result of you being chosen, royal priest, a holy nation, you show others the goodness of God. Why? Because He called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. So we worship. That's how we love God. You know, the gathering, loving God, living Jesus, now walking together. Loving God. Second, living Jesus. What do you got to do to live Jesus? How do you be Jesus? He tells you. Jesus tells you. When they ask Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor. If we did those two things more, we probably wouldn't have to spend so much time talking about it, would we? I have to tell myself that, so don't feel bad if that kind of graded up against you. Uh, loving your neighbors. I love Bobby reminds reminds us, you know, who's your closest neighbor? My closest neighbor is my wife. So if it don't start with her, it's probably going to be hard to go out. If you're if you're not at home loving your wife, and you're and you go out from your home and love all your neighbors. Your wife probably ain't going to be very supportive of you loving the rest of your neighbors. You understand? The God response to God's grace and mercy is to love others. Why? Because He first loved us. God changed my heart. I used to not be a people person. If I had it my way, I'd live in the mountains by myself. Men are naturally, you know, kind of isolate. Uh, I never thought I would, I never really liked to carry on too much of a conversation with people except people that knew me, so I never really ventured too far outside of my immediate family. But once I surrendered and submitted and started asking God and spending time with God and worshiping God, I couldn't, I couldn't help it. There, there's no other way to respond to God loving you but to love others if you're truly submitted and surrendered. So that's why we say what we say, loving God, living Jesus. If you love God, you're going to start living Jesus. And that's what Paul's reminding you of in First Peter. That's what Paul's reminding the people he's writing this letter to as a result of being God's very own possession. You're showing others the goodness of God, for He called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Thank God. So, at the gathering, we have made a decision to be more intentional about that, to, to help you understand that, that if you don't understand who you are and whose you are, 
You can't do all these things. You can't do them well anyway. You can try, but, it, but it's going to feel like work instead of just a response. So what we're doing now is, is walking together. We kind of added that over the past year or two. Why? Because once you love God and live Jesus, what does God call you to? What is, God, what is the last thing Jesus said before he left? Before he ascended back to heaven? Go and tell people. Go and make disciples. Show them what I've put in you. Tell them. Because why? Because it's only Jesus that can save people. It's only Jesus that's going to show people and help people. Jesus is the only thing that saves. So, walking together means being in community with each other. I never thought I'd ran a race with four people. One, because I don't like running, and two, I didn't really like people. But <laughs> if I'm just being honest, you know, uh, but... I started falling in love with God and God started changing my heart. So I am a testament that if, if, if God can do it to me, He can do it for you. But I've started now when you, so now when, when, you put, when you put yourself last, when you make yourself last and start putting other people first, you'll start to understand what loving God, living Jesus and walking together means. We're trying to be more intentional about why we say what we say and why we do what we do. So to be the body of Christ, to be the gatherings, that's what the body of Christ is. That's why we are what we are. You've got to be in relationship with each other. Because guess who God loves? People. So if you don't love people, you can't really be loving God. Bobby has uh, started kind of walking through, walking together in in these journeys, uh, conversational journeys. We're going on a journey together. We're going on a walk together. We're going to walk together through some of these things and build each other up because you need people to make you better. I don't know many people that have been successful doing everything all on their own. They have a support team around them. When you run a really long ways, when you run a marathon or an ultra marathon, you have a support team. You have people taking care of your hydration and nutrition and, and, and each stop, and they're motivating you and cheering you on. And yesterday, I'm so glad Mike, for some reason, decided to get right there on the corner as soon as you come out of the woods because I had just failed. And thankfully, I was behind the food truck, so the majority of the crowd didn't see me. But <laughs> I fell, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Dropped the baton, and I'm looking back at the baton, and I'm like, oh, no. And uh, I get up, and I see Mike. And, and I was at that point, I was just kind of jogging, and I was like, well, I failed now. I've messed up my time. I'm going to finish, but I don't feel as motivated as I once did before I failed. And uh, Mike's standing there on the corner and just telling me to go, go. And I was like, did you see me fall? Did you see me fall? And he didn't even acknowledge me. He just said, go. And so I took back off again and finished. But uh, you've you got to have people around you to support you. Who's in your circle? Who's building you up? 
That's what walking together is about. You need people. Whether you like to admit it or not. Why are you scared to be around people? I'll tell you why I was once scared. Because I was still in a lot of sin and I didn't want people to see that. So I hid. And you can still come in here on Sunday and 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 praise and worship because it's kind of a, a celebration and and uh but when you get home or, or you don't want to let people into your lives because you're scared they might judge you or or think differently of you. But once you surrender, once you once you get over that, I promise, your life will radically change. Mine did. I don't have time to tell you about all the things. But I will tell you, if God can change my heart and give me a heart for people and a heart to think of others first, He can do it for you. But it didn't happen by just all of a sudden, by just worshiping and praising, which, which that, that's a priority, that's important. But it didn't happen just on Sunday. It happened in the day-to-day, in the meetings, in the meeting with people and telling them what I was going through and telling them I needed help and praying and asking God, what do I need to do? And that's part of what walking together is. That's part of what this journey is. Amanda, can you put up the... So part of, uh, part of walking together is, is uh, first gatherings, which is kind of understanding who you are, who God says you are. And then loving God, living Jesus, walking together. We walk through those four things in four different conversations and just use this just to start the discussion and kind of let God work it out. Uh, right here in the next couple of weeks, that first gatherings discussion, we're going to start having them. There's going to be people leading them. And if you feel like that's something God's calling you to, you can sign up for it. you got to understand who you are. And you got to figure out what's important to you. And the next gathering, so after you figure out who you are, what's important to you, who is, who are the gathering, and why, then there's next gatherings, which is more of a discipleship. And it goes through identity. Who am I? What's important? And then it goes through, it's a 12-week journey conversation. It's not a Bible study necessarily it's it's just people getting together walking together going on a journey together and understanding how to make disciples that make disciples that make disciples those are some of the points in next gatherings you got to give up you got to surrender once you do that, you got to give in to what God's calling you to. Because guess what? If you are a holy, if you're a holy priest, a holy nation, if you're a royal, don't you think God's got something planned for you? Don't you think God's got something for you to do? Other than just hang out on Sunday. Once you give in, then you start giving out. 
And then you start telling other people about it so they can do it. After next gatherings, lead gatherings. Maybe you've been through this. Maybe you know, maybe you've been through the discipleship. Maybe you've been through this journey. There's a couple of people that have. What's God calling you to? How's God calling you to serve others? That's, that's what lead gatherings is all about. The first thing in serve, that word serve, S, see the future, E, engage and develop others, R, reinvent continually, V, value relationships over results. It's about people. It's not about the job. The job is just an opportunity to get to people. The race is just an opportunity to be around people I never would be around. The, the fish fry is just an opportunity to maybe hand somebody a plate you never hand somebody. But you don't use it as a check in the box or, you know, look at all the things I do. You use it to be in front of people. E, engage and develop others. Because why? Because if there's only two people that know how to fry fish and they die, there ain't going to be any more fish fries, right? For example, you take that wherever you want to. But the whole thing would serve. What did Jesus say? To be a leader, to be what the disciples, John and, and one of the other ones asked them, you know, who's the greatest? you got to make yourself last if you want to be first. And if you don't have that humbleness about you, then some of these things will help you. Because to be honest, when I first got back into church, I thought I was humble. It's not even humble to say that. Do you know that? And I started realizing that some of the things I was doing was uh, checking the box so people would, would see that, you know, I'm trying, but that's not what it's about. Put yourself last. That's what the whole lead gatherings is about. How to be a leader. Well, to first be a leader, you've got to serve. You've got to be willing to do whatever Jesus is calling you to. And you've got to be willing to put everyone in front of you. You know, I had a hard time with that when I started dying to myself and, and putting people first. Like, well, who's going to take care of me? If I'm always trying to take care of everybody else, who's going to take care of me? God. God will fill in all those things. We're just trying to be more intentional about walking together. Because why? Because we are chosen. You are a chosen people. And he was, Peter was trying to explain that to the Gentiles. Because Why? Because they were going through suffering and persecution. You had the Romans telling them all kinds of things. And, and Christianity wasn't that old at the time. So it was kind of looked more like a cult than a superstitious thing. And then you had the Jews that were like, well, you know, we were, we were the first chosen people, not y'all. And you had Jesus that came and said, my dwelling place, I give up my life and my spirit so it could dwell in you. And you are one of them living stones that makes up the temple. And as a result of all that, you show others the goodness of God. 
Thank you for calling us out of darkness in the light. Because why? Because once you had no identity as a people, now you're God's people. You, had, you received no mercy, now you got God's mercy. What's mercy? Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Because why? All of us deserve to go to hell and die. Because we've all sinned and all fallen short. But God gave us grace. Getting what you don't deserve. Through Jesus. I'm going to pray. God, thank you for for calling us out. Thank you for calling me out. Thank you for loving me enough to to give me that invitation and never never take it back, dear Lord. Thank you for always having your hand out there and always loving me in spite of how I treated you. Thank you for loving us first. And because of that, we were considered royal priests and, and holy because of because of you and and you decide, and before you made anything, you thought of me. You thought of us, dear Lord. You, you chose us. Thank you for Jesus, dear Lord, and, and paying for it all. Thank you for buying us, dear Lord. We are bought and paid for. God, help us just to respond to that, dear Lord. Help us just to ask you, what do you want to do? What do you want me to do? And help us to be okay that no matter where we're at, your hand is always out there. God, I pray that if there's anybody in here that doesn't know Jesus, God, that they would make that decision here and today. Because we're not promised the next 10 minutes, we're not promised tomorrow, but we are promised that if, that if we believe in what Jesus did and believe in you and, and accept that and and receive that into our hearts, dear Lord, that we don't have to worry about that anymore. And we can put heavenly things on our mind. God, I just pray that if there's anybody in here that doesn't know that, that they get that right with you first. God, I just thank you for uh, for your word and, and just the encouragement and reminders, dear Lord, of who we are because of you and because of Jesus. Help us just to respond to it. We love you. Amen.